kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. You will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the nations, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. In the first 11 chapters of the book of Isaiah, the prophet comes to the people to give them a message that They are really messed up. The prophet Isaiah comes with this message of God that they are on the wrong path. That these people are arrogant and haughty. That these people have made relationships with foreign peoples and now they are worshiping other gods. But worst of all, these people have been neglecting the poor among them and lining their pockets, getting rich, buying jewels by taking money from the poor. Now, one thing you'll remember is that until about the 18th century or so, there was no such thing as a middle class. There were the rich, there were the poor, and the rich... Uh, were those who had property and, and their job was to make sure that the people could work and earn a living and if, if they were uh, a widow or the orphan, then they were supposed to make sure that they were cared for. And this basic command of God had just gone by the wayside in this society. These people are completely and totally messed up and God is saying, you know what, if you keep going down this path, you're going to end up in a mess. You're going to end up in exile. You're going to end up conquered and defeated because you are not doing the things you need to do. But then, here in chapter 12, something happens that almost seems a bit out of place if you are reading the book of Isaiah. Joy breaks in. Now, why in the world would joy break in all of a sudden in the midst of everything that the prophet is telling these people that they're doing wrong? I mean, the people haven't repented. The people are still on a path that's going to lead them right to their own demise in many ways. And yet, here is joy. It is almost a psalm that erupts in the midst of all of this gloom and doom. A praise to God 
with joy and thanksgiving. This, of course, is that third week in Advent when we celebrate the gift of joy. And uh, with apologies to Crystal and her excellent uh, children's sermon, which she always does such a great job, I want to suggest that maybe uh, uh, joy is a, a little bit harder for us to grasp than we often think. If, if you go to the dictionary and, it, and you look at the definition of joy, it's going to say to you, mm, happiness or extreme enjoyment. But somehow our, our biblical texts are always pointing us to something that is deeper and richer and more powerful than just happiness. And so it is that this text is trying to give us a deeper understanding of what we mean when we talk about the joy of the Lord. Now, the first thing that I think we need to talk about is the fact that you really cannot manufacture or force joy. Right? In this text, the people don't decide that, okay, let's be joyful. Rather, joy breaks in. And in fact, today, scientists will tell us that you cannot force joy. There is a Harvard psychologist by the name of Susan David. And when she was a little girl, she says, her father got cancer and was dying. And people would say to her, oh, honey, just be optimistic. Just look on the bright side. It'll all be okay. And she says, I was sitting there saying, it will not be okay because my daddy is dying. And when she grew up, she decided that she wanted to study these kinds of emotions so she could better understand them. And what she has found is that when you say, Oh, come on, you know, just be joyful. In fact, it usually has the opposite effect. It reinforces what someone is really feeling. So if uh, you're coming to Christmas Eve service with a lot of your family and then you have the grumpy one, and you turn to the grumpy one and you say, okay, grumpy, I just want you to be joyful tonight because it's Christmas Eve. The result is probably they're going to be Mr. Even Grumpier. Because what she says is that it's so important to acknowledge exactly how you're feeling. That when you experience grief at Christmas, or when you experience loneliness, or when you're worried about your job, or when uh, your house explodes just before Christmas, or when terrible storms come through and destroy your town, what you might feel is valid. And so, the first thing that really Isaiah says to us is, you know what, you need to acknowledge how it is you're really feeling. That these people are still feeling a lot of things, uh, whether it be haughtiness or whether it be uh, the sadness and grief of those who are disenfranchised. There is something about having to be where we are and be honest with ourselves. 
But then there's a second thing about joy. If we can't manufacture it or, or make ourselves joyful, then maybe it's that joy comes when things are pretty much all right. That when we feel like, hey, our life is where it should be, joy is going to break in. Yeah, but all we have to do is take a look at the Christmas story. If everything were all right, Jesus would be born in Nazareth. If everything were all right, Mary would have her family and her friends around her to support her. If everything were all right, Jesus would have been laid in that fancy uh, cradle that Joseph the carpenter had been making for him instead of a stinky animal manger. If everything had been all right, this family wouldn't have had to flee to Egypt to preserve the life of their child. Everything was not all right in the world, and everything is not all right in this text of Isaiah, and yet joy breaks in when Mary and Joseph look upon the face of their child, joy breaks in. When the shepherds in the field see the star in the sky and come to that stable, indescribable joy overwhelms them. Joy breaks in. There is a woman by the name of Debbie Jordy. And in the late 1970s, she and her husband were young and healthy and making plans for the future and building their lives. And everything was just seemingly really going well for them. And so they decide to begin their family. And their first child, they come to the due date. The baby isn't ready to be born. And the next week, still the doctor says, not yet. And finally, they go to the hospital, this baby is delivered, and there in the delivery room, they immediately notice that everything is not all right with this child. This baby has four fingers on each hand and four toes on each foot. This baby has uh, arms that are misshapen. This baby has a cleft palate, and those are just the things that they can see on this little girl. They don't know what else is wrong with her. And for Debbie and her husband, their initial reaction in that delivery room was, we don't want this baby. This isn't the baby that we've been planning for. This isn't the baby we know how to care for. This is not the child that we want. We don't want to raise this baby. And for the next day or so, uh, back in those days, they kept the mother uh, in the hospital for three days after she delivered. And the next day or so, Debbie realized that all the mothers were with their babies and hers was in the nursery. And so she got up out of the bed. She went to the nursery. And hers was the only baby in it. And the nurse said to her, do you want to hold her? And she said, yes. And Debbie says, when the nurse put that baby in her hands and she looked in the face of her daughters, she was overwhelmed 
with love. She felt this profound, indescribable joy and said, this is my baby. And she made up her mind that she was going to be the fiercest mother to this child for the rest of her life. Joy broke in when we gaze upon the the face of the child, upon the face of the baby Jesus. Joy breaks in. It is a gift. Even though our world and our lives are fragile and they are not exactly what we would want them to be, joy can still break in. And so if joy is not something we produce, if joy is not something associated with a world being all well and good, then what in the world is this joy that we seek to describe? Joy, of course, is something deeper. This Chapter 12 of Isaiah tells us that joy somehow connects to the living God. That joy is a gift. That joy does break into our lives in ways that we don't always expect. Because joy is somehow connected directly to our God. The writer C.S. Lewis was... Born into a family that went to church, but as he says, church did nothing for him. He got nothing out of it. Uh, we know some young people who feel exactly that way. And so Lewis grew up and he became an atheist. He became a man of science, a man of the mind. Uh, Lewis would, believed that you should determine your own life and think things through and figure it all out. And yet, from an early age, Lewis had these moments when he was grasped by something deeper. He would be in nature and he would be overwhelmed in in awe. He would have these experiences that he couldn't describe, but he named as joy. And he wrote a book called Surprised by Joy, in which he tells the story of how he moved from being an atheist to being one who believes in God and knowing that those experiences, that overflowing of joy, is actually the experience of the living God in our midst. God breaks in and touches us so deeply that we can't really describe what that quality is, but we know it is something greater than ourselves. It is the living God among us. And what's really interesting for Lewis is the reason he becomes a Christian is the incarnation, is the birth of the baby Jesus in Bethlehem. 
Because Lewis says, you know, in spite of who I am and what I feel, Lewis says, in spite of the way this world is with all its tragedies and suffering, God breaks in in the face of a child and says, I am with you. I am here. You are not alone. You do not have to worry. I break into your world to show you that I am your God and I am with you always. Joy is that experience of knowing the living God. That connection that we cannot manufacture, we cannot even describe most of the time, but when it happens, we know it. That is joy. And so this Christmas, as we gaze upon the face of the baby born in a manger, joy just might break into our world again. Because this one, Emmanuel, proclaims to us, I, God, am with you now and forever. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.